the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We are at episode 389. I'm Paul Spain and with me today is Stan Petrich. How are you, Stan? Good, thanks, Paul. Thank you for having me. Great to, uh, great to have you here. Your first time on the show, so... Maybe you could just tell listeners where you fit into this world of uh, technology. You've got a tech startup. Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, basically, I'm from, um, well, we just launched an app called Fixer, um, and I'm the founder of the project. Uh, we started about 12 months ago. Uh, it took us 12 months to build the app, and we just launched two weeks. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's been pretty interesting two weeks for us. Um, certainly been interesting 12 months for us as well. Um, yeah, so it's all about the app. Excellent, excellent. Well, we're definitely looking forward to uh, to diving into that. And look, you know, an extra reason to have you on this week is it's uh, Tech Week here in New Zealand. And so, look, encourage listeners to uh, you know, to keep an eye out for the varying events and uh, bits and pieces that are going on uh, in their areas around the country. Uh, but I thought, hey, it, uh, it makes sense to talk to a tech entrepreneur sure. here in, in New Zealand and uh, somebody who's who's doing something uh, new and you know very very timely that you've just launched uh well let's jump into the the news of the week and uh then we'll be keen to uh, hear a little bit about uh, uh your story sure. and and about fixer uh now first up lightbox uh they've just updated their platform they've now got uh movie rental service there's a, a kids corner uh yeah bit of a refresh going on there you use lightbox yourself um, I use Lightbox and Netflix yeah. as well. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, Lightbox, um, the reason why I use Lightbox is because of the Spark deal. Um, I think they have a um, deal going on where, you know, if you're a, Light, a Spark user, get you get a bit free. of a... Yeah, no, I don't think it's free. I think it's it's a reduced price. Okay, okay. Um, so, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, I know it certainly had, has been free in the past. I haven't watched, watched that... Uh, too closely in terms of their uh, their current pricings, and that you know we won't actually dive in too much to that because uh, we've got the GM from uh, Lightbox coming on the show uh, next week at this stage, so um, we'll we'll get a bit more of an insight there around what they're doing. Um, see see what else we can find out maybe on the on the sports side as well. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting a bit of an update nice. from from their side. There's obviously really lots going on uh, as far as you know broadcast casting and streaming um, actually uh, an event uh, that's coming up for those that are involved in the broadcast uh, world um, that happened uh, two years ago four years ago I guess uh, must be yeah every year uh, Every every uh, couple of years is the Media Tech uh, Pacific uh, event MTP, uh, and that's coming up again at the beginning of uh, August. So, uh, anyone out there in that space wanting to get a little bit of a handle, uh, there's some some interesting uh, speakers, um, including me. So, um, um, yeah, should be a bit of should be a bit of fun. Yeah, it should be fun. Um, now, on that on that sort of broadcast front, there were a couple of other things that I thought would be be um, worth. Just uh, chatting about one. Uh, Amazon have started, or they've released the trailer, and in fact, uh, the All Blacks have had this up on um, on their website, or the Rugby New Zealand website, is the trailer for um, Amazon's uh, doco, which is called All or Nothing: New Zealand All Blacks. Yeah, that looks fantastic. It does. Looks really yeah. cool, right? 
you can just imagine this is exactly what Amazon need to start, you know, drawing people into uh, sure. uh, to a subscription with them. Because you know what? What better thing to offer a Kiwi audience of uh, than a unique and you know really well produced uh, documentary about the All Blacks? Yep. And look, I think it's going to have broader international appeal too, of right? Course. Well, Amazon is a monster. You know, it's a multi-billion-dollar company, and I mean, they surely got the money to chug behind it. So, you know, it was only a matter of time when they came to New Zealand. Yeah, so what else do you think that, um, you know, can you think of any other content that would make sense for Amazon to be, uh, you know, dropping on a on a Kiwi audience? Or, I, I mean, I guess mostly we want the same as what people want in other parts of the world, but having some unique things like this is, is good too. Well, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't know, but I guess, I guess anything to deal with the new technologies and, um, you know, appealing to that broader market, the younger market, um, you know, digital market perhaps. Uh, but, you know, all blacks being, you know, symbol of New Zealand pretty much. Um, that, was, that was the first pick. I can see why they picked it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, look, you know, it, uh, it's a really good trailer. Um, and yeah, you know, encourage people to. I'm, I'm uh, sure a lot to, of kids got excited to, about it. But. <laughs> to, to, to check it out. Yeah. So on a somewhat related note, and this is something that really ties into the disruption of Sky. So yeah, we've seen Sky being uh, disrupted by the likes of Netflix and so on. The other aspect is, you know, the fact that that Sky uh, plays such an important role in the you know production of, of broadcast television and and uh, especially well, particularly from a sport perspective, in terms of covering New Zealand sports and look. That's uh, that's something that's helped make them quite powerful because they're so uh, they're so geared up for that and for other players to be able to get into that space then they would need that production to be able to be taken care of. They've had Monopoly for quite some time, so... Yeah, they've had a pretty pretty powerful role. I mean, you know, we've seen some of, um, you know, TVNZ doing, you know, sports mm. and, 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 and varying ways in the past. Um, but it was interesting to read that um, NZ Live TV, uh, which is a, an outfit based out of uh, Auckland and... Um, you know, I know that there's at least one one person there who listens into uh, to the podcast. Um, but I noticed that they were acquired last month um, by a global uh, outfit, uh, NEP Group, who are in dozens of countries around the world and get involved uh, in the the production of uh, huge sporting events. Really, you know, up to Olympic type uh, type level. Mm-hmm. So. Look, they're now uh, they're now very interested in New Zealand. So I'm not sure, you know, what the triggers are that are pushing that. Whether whether they've had you know requests from the likes of Amazon, whether uh, it's Spark or you know who, where, where that's who's, coming who's from. Behind it. <laughs> but obviously they've they've got a feeling that uh, you know the New Zealand market uh, is something is a place where they should be operating. For sure, well, especially with all the sport sport events and you know, yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be uh, going to be curious. And um, NBR reported in Australia uh, that they've opened up two uh, big production hubs in, in uh, Sydney and Melbourne last year uh, for remote production of more than five hundred events across Australia. So yeah, I mean that that's a lot of stuff. That's more than yeah, averages out to more than more than one thing uh, uh, one thing a day. 
and look, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see what things end up looking like uh, for New Zealand, right? And what they you know put together in terms of uh, broadcast facilities. Uh, NZ Live already got some existing capabilities and and were uh, partnered with uh, with NEP Group, uh, but this will allow them, you know, I'm sure to be able to uh, scale up further. So. Um, Yes, just uh, just a little bit, a little bit of extra pressure on Sky. Um, I've had met up with Sky recently, and uh, look, we're looking forward to having uh, someone from Sky come on uh, New Zealand Tech Podcast. Here, you know, a few insights from from their end. Um, certainly, getting the indicators that things are things are happening, and and the worlds are you know continuing to turn at Sky. And you know, really hope we'll see a, a very competitive playing ground uh, going forward. And yeah, of course, looking forward to getting more of the picture filled out on what Lightbox. Are up to, although I don't think they have too much more to share on their their sports uh, side at the moment. They're just going to uh, yeah work away on on uh, on things there. I, I think a bit of a competition is good, you know. I think um, you know Sky certainly had their run for quite some time, so you know it'll be interesting to see what um, you know who comes on and does what. Mm. From a non sport perspective. Um, do you think Netflix can be beaten? Because Netflix are just so big, and the you know the stats that, that you know we've seen just from informal surveys and and the like suggest that Netflix and then you know Amazon are starting to obviously come come into the market as well. Uh, that these global players just have such dominance. They've got really good apps that work really Absolutely. well on That's everything. It. Yep. You know, part of me just wonders. Can you know? It's not can we? You know, will will the local players uh, will the local players well, succeed? It seems like it's not an easy thing to succeed against the you know big global companies with deep pockets that you know in some cases don't care too much about making a profit. Now absolutely. they're looking at their their share price and having you know dominance uh, in five year say five years time and making sure that they've got. Yeah, massive global dominance, and then they can tweak prices and start yeah. making the big profits. I guess how I look at it is that also generations. You know, um, you know, you got the people, um, you know, probably older generation using Sky Sports or you know using Sky Digital, and they probably stick to it. However, the younger people who's you know grew up on Netflix, grew up on Lightbox, um, they're the ones who will eventually you know grow older. But what do they? What do they know? They only know Netflix and Lightbox. So the the generation afterwards will be, you know, taught to taught to like that versus Sky Digital. So, so Sky will have to come up with some kind of plan and, you know, perhaps change their strategy. But, you know, like you said, in wait and see. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem that there's a lot of people that talk about Sky's, um, you know, TV streaming service. Yeah, I, I think, on. It doesn't get a lot of attention. I think right? it's fashionable, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm in my 30s myself, and I don't think, you know, I don't I don't have many people around me talking about Sky. You know, we talk about Netflix. We talk about what sort of a new, you know, new new season of something comes up on Netflix or Lightbox. But when it comes down to Sky Digital, it's kind of, I guess, sports. Sports is all you talk about. But in terms of movies, they sometimes they you know a year behind what's new. So they certainly have to step up their game and you know refresh the refresh what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's not an easy one. Now on to other topics. Last week we talked about uh, in New Zealand who had just uh, just launched their uh, Wi-Fi service, their in-flight Wi-Fi service, and we were talking about the fact that it launched at a forty-dollar price point. Is that the right sort of price point? What you know, what's it, what's it going to look like going forward? 
Well, uh, surprisingly, by the end of the end of the week, uh, thirty dollars was the new uh, the new, the new price. Um, in fact, Nathan Mercer, who's uh, you know come come on the New Zealand Tech Podcast a number of times, was uh, you know sharing uh, w- with a, with a few of us uh, online around the fact that he was only paying thirty dollars. So that was within a very short number of days. Look, this I find quite. Um, quite fascinating i find it quite pleasing that air new zealand have made this change it says to me that they they are very very interested in looking at all the data points experimenting we don't know what the long-term price will be whether it could go yeah it could go back up they could you know double it so that there's right. fewer people on a flight right. you get a little bit more uh, bandwidth <laughs> to use between you know <laughs> between you or they could bring it down they could give it away free in some cases uh you know we're certainly seeing examples of of that but you know it does uh, appear as though they're looking at the data points and they're and they're seeing well what what the different you know price points lead to in in terms of usage. I mean, I haven't used um, Air New Zealand services yet, but I mean, I have used Wi-Fi and say Emirates, for example. And in Emirates, you pay what a dollar for five hundred meg or two hundred meg, uh, and I think five dollars for unlimited use. So, um, you know, to me personally, uh, thirty dollars is a bit extreme, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and look for for a shorter uh, a shorter trip. Yeah, say going to Australia or something, three hours versus say a you know ten to twelve hour yeah. uh, type type flight. Um, yeah, because at the moment those prices are the same. Uh, but look, I I like seeing uh, companies that you know, leverage the data that's available and they you know they they utilize that and they experiment, they adjust, sure. go back, look at the data, analyze and uh, and and changing change accordingly. Uh, yeah, it's great to see. Yeah, Technology used well in those uh, those regards. Well, I think it was long due as well. I think we, you know, at some stage it had to happen. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think right now you got Qantas, Qantas, Emirates, and perhaps Air New Zealand. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure how far Qantas are with their uh, their, I, I their, their well, launch process. Well we've just got, yeah, <laughs> but we've got uh, four planes from New Zealand so far. Now, interesting thing from the uh, the trial that uh, was on, we had the review of Air New Zealand's Wi-Fi uh, on uh, TravelTalk.nz back in uh, back in January. So uh, Steve Biddle did that sort of pre-launch of the official launch of the service. Right. And what he was finding was, yeah, typically around two and a half megabits per second was the sort of speed that you could get over the Wi-Fi. Um, we've seen similar with uh, with those that have sort of fed back of their usage over the last few days. Almost, it does. It sort of feel. One of the comments was um, that it feels as though there's a, a sort of a soft cap in there around that two and a half megabits, so that yeah, people aren't using uh, too much. So there's enough to go around, maybe. Yeah. Um, although interestingly, if you run a speed test, that can go higher, and so some of the speed tests were giving higher results than what we were seeing earlier on the year. I don't know whether that means for anything else other than speed tests that it's faster. Uh, we've actually in the the new. Um, item that's gone online at traveltalk.nz uh, on Monday we've got in there a, a, a screen um, shot of a speed test uh, in flight 8.4 megabits the other thing is the uh, ping times have come down so the delay for that communication to uh, you know basically get back to uh, get back to uh, base and so on 
Um, and that, it's, that's anywhere, or is it specific well, location it, when it tests? Look, it? it's going to depend where yeah, where, where you are, <laughs> and also uh, you know where you, where you're trying to ping, right? So or where, you, where you're trying to connect with. Yeah. Um, so this one particular one, I think, was testing a connection back to. Uh, I think maybe a base station in uh, in, Aust- in Australia uh, for um, Imasat, and uh, there was 558 milliseconds, which is was is quite a, a lot quicker than I think the tests in in January. So um, look, they've definitely gone away and done some work. Uh, they seem to have solved. Um, uh, some of the network isolation um, type challenges they had before, and so uh, look, it's that's all go, and they're tweaking the prices, and uh, yeah, who knows quite what those will look like in the future. But uh, look, they're using the data, and they're they're, they're making some decisions. Um, yep. Yeah, and I guess those decisions have got to be a balance between what's nice for uh, for the users and what works for them from a business perspective, That's right? That's true. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so there you go. But look, at, you know, the, at this stage, they seem to be getting, uh, uh, you know, seem to be getting a bunch of, a bunch of, People using the service, and uh, yeah, I've heard some you know suggestions of you know a reasonable chunk of people on some of the flights that are uh, uh, actually trialling it out. When I was on uh, an Emirates flights uh, f- uh, or some Emirates flights um, uh, a couple of months or so back, I noticed in the uh, the portal with Emirates, you could actually see how many other uh, passengers were, were using Wi-Fi, and in their case, the sort of typical usage was uh, twenty to thirty people on a on an A380. Which is quite small. Um, so, yes, yeah, so it's often, you know, often, mm. you know, sub 10, sub 10%. And you find the speed differentiates as well sometimes, you know, depending on how many users are on. It mm. drops mm. quite a bit. You're well, with, with Emirates, they're using an, yeah. a, a, an older, you know, older technology in terms of the satellite technology. So yep. I think, you know, the the speeds are, are lower still than what you get on uh, yep. in New Zealand. Sure. So, yeah. Now the the other thing I thought uh, was just a you know a quick chat with because it got picked up in the mainstream media uh, yesterday and I ended up doing a, a couple of uh, radio interviews about it is um, that there seems to be some issues with our banks in New Zealand with processing uh, credit card uh, refunds at the moment where someone's got a you know, a transaction that should have never been on there. Maybe, uh, you know, their credit card details have got hacked. But, yeah, they've basically got payments that they want to uh, they want to wind back. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, ASB was the first bank to sort of say, hey, we're having issues. This is taking us weeks to yep. uh, weeks to process. Is this something you've uh, you've experienced at all, had any issues uh, with that? I haven't personally, you know, thank God. <laughs> I've never <laughs> been hacked, never lost any money. But I've heard heard a lot of horror stories. Um, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty common, you know. Um, um, yeah, and I think it's not just New Zealand; it's just worldwide. Yeah. Um, it's a huge. I mean, the the theft of information and theft of um, you know personal data and money. Uh, it's an industry, you know. It's a huge industry. It's a huge, it is. huge dark web industry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know, I think there's a. Uh, you know, one thing that's driving is we're doing so much commerce online, right? We're, yep. we're, we're all getting more and more relaxed around the fact that, hey, we can share our credit card details online. And in most cases, look, the, the banks cover us. So if something happens, something goes wrong, then uh, look, they've, uh, they've got your back. So the, the risk has been very low for, you know, those putting their credit card but, details online. But there's online. also technology behind the banking as well. And I think, I mean, the better the technology, the more it opens the doors for, 
you know, hackers and you know, malicious use. And um, I think I was saying before, the banking New Zealand and banking apps in New Zealand are quite advanced. Um, in fact, I think a lot of banks test their apps in New Zealand before they release it to the rest of the world. So it's no surprise that you know a lot of times you know people find those loopholes to explode. Mm-hmm. Well, the, one of the things that has become uh, the norm, certainly when you're using a cell phone for uh, for payments, uh, you know, whether it's an Android device or uh, Apple with with Apple Pay, um, is that we're now using a technology that basically creates a virtual credit card number when you make a payment. So if you you know tap your phone to uh, to you know, pay for something at the supermarket, and most of the supermarkets now, you know, they will they will support that, um, you know, that technology using near field communications tech and uh, yeah, services such as Apple Pay. Um, yeah, it, it generates a on the fly generates a basically a unique virtual credit card number. Mm-hmm. And look, if it, if they weren't a good uh, reputable outfit, then that number wouldn't be. Yeah, a, a hugely valuable item to them um, because it is just generated for that transaction. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, you can look on your receipts and you'll notice, oh, that's not my normal credit card uh, number. If you you know if you do use uh, that type of service like uh, Apple Pay, um, but what I've noticed is in the US now that some of the banks are offering that. Uh, I presume through their mobile apps, but they offer you this access to virtual credit card numbers. Um, and so you could create, say, a number for a particular retailer. And I haven't, I remember talking to Visa about this a year or two ago and they ran me through how, sort of how it was going to work. Um, I haven't seen exactly how that works in, in those apps, but I'd love to see it in New Zealand. I'd love to be able to give a unique credit card number, uh, you know, to, to every, you know, online merchant mm-hmm. so that, you know, basically, if there is an issue, you know exactly who it is, and you can cut that off without having to, you know, cut up your entire card or get stuck right. while you're traveling overseas. Because that's where it really, you know, really hurts is when you've, oh, I haven't got my card for another, you know, week or two while I send another one out. And if you're traveling, that's, uh, that's sort of double trouble, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, um, you know, speaking of virtual cards and whatnot, I think with the, you know, with the emergence of um, cryptocurrency and all that, I mean, that's also, you know, playing a huge role in, you know, creating the virtual, virtual credit cards, you know, virtual transactions and, you know, it's all mm. heading towards that way. Yeah, and look, you know, one of the approaches people take today is they get things like the Prezi cards in New Zealand, you're basically yep. getting a prepay, uh, prepay card. And, uh, you know, that sort of minimizes risk a, a little bit or set up a, a particular account with a debit card. So any money's going to you know, be able to come out if the money's already there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, even, even those things can be, uh, yeah, can be a little bit of a hassle. Uh, you know, I guess every every option is at the moment. So, you know, I hope this stuff moves forward reasonably quickly. The other thing I would like to see is um, just taking the technology forward a few more steps from a, a perspective of the data that gets fed back. I, you know, I don't know if you have this, but sometimes I look at my credit card statement. I'm looking at it. I'm going, I can't remember what the hang that is. <laughs> and look, some of them they sort of abbreviate and squash information down. So the warehouse is one. If you've ever uh, done a transaction with a warehouse, um, it doesn't say the warehouse on it. It says TWL. Now, once you, well, you know, once you've kind of figured that out. You know, then oh, you're okay, but it doesn't actually spell out who it is. And the reason they don't spell it out is so they've got enough room in there to put which store it was and and so on, which actually you know that's yep. good. But look, 
why can't they have more information so you'd have the full store detail um, and if you're looking at it through your app why can't you then click in and see you know, a copy of the receipt so it's exactly what you purchased you know other bits and pieces of information yep. uh, that that would be really really valuable and also you know, the benefits when you're looking for your receipts if every time you you know you buy through a credit card or through FPOS uh, you've yep. actually got all of that yeah, that's you know, uh, kept, in, kept in the banking world. We have this issue all the time trying to reconcile, you know, transactions with, um, you know, business transactions or whatnot. Sometimes you just have to play a guess game, you know. Yes. And look through all this paper receipt, so that kind of defeats the purpose. How of, much time does that yeah, waste, though, of course, right? Yeah. yeah. So, look, that, that's something I, I think would be, uh, would, would be really helpful. Now, a um, couple of other things on the on the local front. Uh, one is the local launch of new uh, new handsets from uh, Nokia. They've got uh, their new Android One handset. So today, uh, through Spark, the Nokia Seven Plus has launched, and earlier on in the month, the uh, Nokia Six Point One. Now, we've been having a look at them um, here just over the last couple of days. Um, you've had a, had a look at them, Stan, too. Yeah, they look pretty sleek. Yeah, they're two really rather sleek. nice looking hands. I mean, yep. it sort of seems to be coming the norm that, you know, and these are, these. Are, so the six Nokia 6.1 comes in at um, just under $500. The Nokia 7 Plus just under $700. Yeah, and you were saying, Paul, how you wouldn't get the phone five years ago, four or five years ago, you know. It's no, amazing. It's amazing no, what money weighs these days. Really nice mm. uh, screen, the build of it with... Um, Sort of a, a copper type edging to, to both of them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Are they waterproof? We don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure that uh, that these models are. Um, although on the waterproof front, um, I was reading about the new um, uh, Motorola about to. Uh, and let me just check on the waterproof um, front. I think they've kind of got maybe a low level of, um, right. you know, sort of splash-proof type. Um, um, I've tried my phone so many times. <laughs> situation, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's new Motorola's that are launching, I think, in the next, uh, in the next maybe couple of weeks. So, yeah, that'll be interesting just to see um, what sort of price points they, they hit. Uh, New Zealand at but the bit that uh, the bit that stood out um, yeah so the Nokia 6.1 is IP um, 52 rated so pretty um, um, you know a, a level of dust and, and water protection but not like the sort of top end um, uh, top end phones um, so it's yeah. amazing to see how Nokia's come a long way right um, you know like 10, you know, 15 years ago, you had Nokia 1100s and then they kind of disappeared and you had your iPhones and Samsungs and all of a sudden Nokia's emerging back, which is quite cool to see. Yeah, yeah. I um, I quite like the approach they've taken too. So with both of these handsets, they, um, they are running Android One. And look, one of the big frustrations with Android from... You know, a, a mix of vendors over the years has been, you know, the different mods that they do, and then you can't get security patches for your phone. There's a new version of Android out. Oh, you can't get that either. Um, because these are running Android One, then it means that actually you get the security updates uh, quickly, and you get the full uh, operating system updates. So, 
Look, um, you know, Google, you know, I think have, uh, uh, have sort of got that right now for Android One. When they first launched it, Android One was a program for very low-end handsets, and but the current program for uh, for Android One look, looks pretty good. Now, it's going to take us a, a year or two just to see how right. that plays out. Uh, but this is sort of in line with what we saw when uh, when the, the Nokia phones from HMD Global, which is the, the company that uh, uses the Nokia brand now on their handsets, and it, you know involves people that were involved in, in Nokia uh, previously in the, in the handset side of uh, Nokia. Um, yeah, we're just going to have to see how that plays out. But look, that was really one of the hallmarks last year when they launched was a you know virtually a stock Android and the regular security updates coming through. Uh, we'll certainly be giving these a, a try with uh, with the Gorilla team. Our guys were, in most regards, you know, reasonably pleased with the, the uh, Nokia handsets of, of 2017, and they became a, a sort of a default recommendation, really, for uh, putting out there into sort of, you know, fleet phone in a business, you know, whether it's for 10 people or 100 people mm-hmm. uh, or whatnot. It, you know, their their phones that you you can have some confidence in from a security perspective, and look, the, these look even better built than uh, than last year's phones. So, uh, you know, hopefully they're on a they're on a good track and they continue down that track. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, what sort of handset do you use? What's your uh, your your uh, device of choice? Your, oh, I use iPhone ten. Your so. iPhone ten. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Fair, fair enough. Well, um, look, these are good handsets. We won't drill into all all the um, all the specs and bits and pieces. I'll certainly, you know, fee- feedback. Uh, you know, once we've given them a little bit uh, further uh, use, but you know, really nice and tidy. Um, single SIM slot uh, plus micro SD. I think there are probably parallel import versions that will do uh, dual SIM. As well, uh, but it's unusual for certainly for Spark or Vodafone. In fact, I think it's it just doesn't happen uh, for them generally to launch uh, dual SIM phones, as, as far as I'm aware. Uh, so I think that's you know that that's still the case. There might be some way to mod them. Uh, I don't, I'm I don't sure know, find I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, if you if if you wanted to, but uh, look, you know, pleasing to see that uh, that Spark have, have picked these two one two uh, two models up anyway and. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that the, the Nokia brand sort of uh, establishes itself again because, yeah, nice, well-built phones. Um, look, not super crazy high-end um, specifications, but good bang for buck and really nice. They feel like real quality. I think at the good price points, you know. Good. Yeah. Because you look at iPhones, you know, I mean, $2,000, some people just can't afford it. So, yeah, that's a good alternative. Yeah. And look, if you've if you've got to, um, you know, you've got a whole fleet of people that you need to give give phones to, um, yep. yeah, you've got to look at, cool well, does, it, does it deliver, you know, what the business requirements are, which, you know, a key part of that is always around the sort of, you know, security uh, aspect. Yep. And look, in, in the past, you wanted a secure phone. Um, yeah, there there were there were more concerns around Android, but a phone that's getting updated regularly like this is, is certainly going to be uh, somewhat safer. So, yeah, awesome. um, yeah, it's good. Now, um, oh, the other thing just of of uh, local relevance is that uh, Ten Cent, uh, big 
massive, one of the world's biggest tech companies, uh, Chinese, have acquired uh, 80% of uh, Grinding Gears, which is of course an Auckland-based uh, uh, game, game developer uh, known for Path of Exile. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty pleasing, I, I imagine, for them to have that sort of uh, you know backing. And uh, look, you know, if the uh, the remaining twenty percent stays in uh, local ownership for uh, uh, for some time, uh, with that sort of backing, I can imagine that uh, the uh, their business is going to uh, continue, you know, growing, especially in the Chinese That's a lot market. Of dough. <laughs> with uh, you know, ten cent behind you, you've got to feel like you're doing something right. Yeah. Uh, not not that they wouldn't have felt that already. They had, uh, I think, there are around 114 people at the moment, and they're expecting those numbers to uh, to, to grow probably by 10 or 15 percent. I think they said uh, 130, right? This year, so uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think they're going to grow to 130. So, um, cool. so sounds sounds pretty pleasing. Our uh, you know video game industry here in New Zealand is growing. I think we're about a you know, 100 million uh, in terms of export revenues at the moment. But of course, that's uh, something like you know point one. Um, yeah, percent of the of the global global market, and I would certainly like to see that uh, you know con- continue growing. So um, I'm sure it will. Let, let's hope it does. Look now, time to uh, time to chat about fixer. So uh, I guess for me, I'm I'm kind of curious. You know, what's your background? How did you get into uh, starting a starting a um, you know a new business, a startup, and uh, you know um, how did you meet your uh, uh, your co-founder how did all that come about so um, there's basically it all started with two of us uh, me and my business partner Anton um, and it was all it all came down from personal experiences um, I think one day one of us had to do a service in the car up I think it was a breaks i think we do breaks so um, we went to one mechanic or one service place we asked for the price and you know they quoted thousand dollars we went to another it was 800 and you know after a couple of couple of different um, service stations we realized the prices are very different so um you know it's also the amount of time that it took us you know it took us the whole day driving from one place to another trying to you know, negotiate the prices and whatnot um so we thought that you know why not have a platform that enables you to do that you know quickly and efficiently um, from the palm of your hands, right? And that's how Fixer was born. Um, so, um, like I was saying before, it took us 12 months, uh, you know, it was a long 12 what, months. What, what, was the, what did the start look like? What were you both doing before you started this? Uh, we, we certainly not... Uh, we, we don't know how to build apps. We, we just had an idea, right? Um, I came from IT sales background, so I knew a bit about you know the languages you can use and you know the, the coding and whatnot. But I didn't know how to code it myself. Um, and Anton comes from um, you know real estate kind of background, um, so we're certainly not a you know high end high end tech start. But I think it's just a share of will of um, you know trying to experience something new and trying to learn about it and we certainly learned a lot over the last 12 months right um, so this is something you've you've done alongside other things to uh, correct to be I mean lucky we had you know other jobs so we can fund ourselves yeah yeah <laughs> and pay for our food but um but fix it, yeah, it's been it's been it's been it's been an experience you know it's been an experience from the point of view that we had to learn a lot and uh I mean, it's written in multiple languages. It it supports, um, you know, Apple phones, Android phones, and also web interfaces. So there wasn't just, a, you know, kind of one product we had to build. It was the one product with multiple platforms. Um, you know, just working with developers and going back and forth and testing. Uh, so it was, a, it was a learning curve for us. Mm, mm. Um, but, you know, it's a fight so good. I mean, we launched two weeks ago. Um, launch went really well. 
we thought. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, we're here so, now. So walk us through, what, what, under what scenarios would somebody use an app? So, you know, I think for my car, um, yeah, if there, there was some sort of something that I needed, talk me through what, what are the things that it, it could help me with? Is, is it just if I've got, you know, if I need a service or is it, is it quite a bit app, broader app than that? App works or app covers or tries to cover a majority of different services that you may need for your car. So it's not necessarily your, um, you know, Repairs. It could be an oil change. It could be uh, you know dent in your panel, um, new set of tires. Um, basically, anything to deal with the automotive industry. Uh, right. We try to cover that up. Car stereo and stuff. Uh, you can install car stereos. Yes. Yeah, uh, we yeah. do have options for um, electricians. Um, yeah. Yep. What about those plastic wraps that are quite uh, yeah yep. quite Wrapping. common? Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. that. We do have that as well. Oh, that's cool. So, so, you, so you really so, are touching quite a number. Good yeah, number. Yeah. So, of bases. so we try to appeal for your everyday users, for your you know for your mums who don't know where to take their cars. Uh, at the same time, we try to appeal for your petrol heads who, you know, you want to modify the car a bit, maybe, you know, chuck the spoiler on or, you know, put a new set of wheels. So, um, so yeah, we're trying to kind of, you know, make sure that everyone's got something that they can take away from it. Oh, that's cool. Well, just before we started, I uh, I jumped into the app. I got it installed. Um, now, it wouldn't install on my Android because that is not a New Zealand account. It helps me, you know, see what's going on in other parts of the world with other... Uh, um, other apps and and services. Um, now let's uh, let's fire it up. I'm going to see whether I've had any response yet. Um, so I haven't given it too much time. It's sort of been, um, you know, probably half hour or uh, or so. And so I put a request up there uh, to see if uh, if anyone has. Um, wants to quote on some tires yet and look at that we've already got one quote excellent and yep somebody's come back i've suggested an appointment time and i've got the option to basically approve or decline it now because i've only you know i haven't even waited an hour yet what should I do? How long should you should you wait? How many options am I am I likely to uh, to see? So once you posted a job request or a job, um, generally we say you should get up to five quotes within about twenty four hours, and it really depends on uh, because you got to understand that there are live mechanics behind it, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they'll get notifications, and depending on the time of the day, um, you know whether they have the information in front of them that they can quote on. For example, your tires that you just you know put put the job about. Mm-hmm. If they don't know the price, if they're at home, for example, they get a notification. They have to go back to the mechanic shop and, you know, search for the price, you know, call up the supplier and see what they can do for you. Uh, that probably won't happen till tomorrow morning, right? Uh, so lucky for us, we got one there. Mm. <laughs> but generally, you'll get about five quotes within 24 hours. That's what we've seen so far. Okay. Um, cool. You know, uh, whether it's quick or not, I mean, we, we think it's pretty quick um, because if you take the time and you jump in your car and you have to drive around from one place to another, it'll probably take you about, you know, good old three, four hours of your personal time doing that. Oh, yeah, it's um, incredibly efficient, isn't it? That's mm. great. Now, you've got a rating system, so you can get a yep. handle on, on so, who, are the, who so, are the good sort of players and, you know, who maybe, you know, haven't, haven't, aren't quite there on customer service front or delivering uh, uh, good results. So we have, we have, a, we have, a, um, we have a rating system once the job's completed. Yep. So say, for example, you get your five quotes, you've picked the quote, uh, you went in the, um, you know, tire shop, put in the new tire. You can rate them. You can rate out of five stars. You can give them five stars. You can put, um, you know, they're fantastic or whatever. And then, um, and then yeah. 
I mean, they also have an option to reply back to your to your feedback too. Right. So, um, yeah. so it goes both That's ways. That's good. That's so good. They, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's going to be very interesting to see how uh, how it pans out for you. Now it's just been a couple of weeks. Um, you know, how's the platform gone? Have you you know have you got a, a few uh, you know members on already? Yeah. How's so we have uh, over two hundred fifty users so far, uh, which is it's been 10, 10 days. Um, we got over one hundred fifty seven mechanics using the app, um, and it's growing every day. Um, you know, organically as well. Uh, when I say organically, obviously we had to have a pre-sign-up launch for the mechanics and now we're getting sign-ups during the day, you know, pretty much every single day from people just contacting us. Fantastic. Uh, we, at this stage, we have to have a kind of like a manual se- manual sign-up for mechanics because every single one that comes on board, we got to take them through steps of how to use the app, you know, how to use it properly. Um, so, you know, there's a bit of a manual labor involved. Right, but, yeah. Um, I mean, imagine from a user perspective, you'll have a lot of, yeah, you know, quite tech savvy people that are jumping yeah, on board and, users, and using you can just the download app. and use it. But with mechanics, I guess um, you know we get a lot of people who um, maybe not so much into their technology. Some of them are using the older phone, for example. Um, so we have to train them. You know, we have to literally go to physically go to the tech shop. You know, show them how it works. You know, sit down with them, give them the instruction manual. Um, you know, so there's a lot lot of work behind it. But we do have quite a bit of infrastructure. So um, you know, there's eight hundred numbers. Uh, there are email supports. Um, you know, we're usually pretty quick to reply on Facebook mm. if you need any help. Mm. Um, so you know, we got that covered too. That's good. Yeah. And. How do you monetize this? Obviously, there's transactions going on, so there's an ability to sort of clip the ticket in some way, but I noticed what I put through there, they came back with an estimate, so it's not... You know, it's not necessarily fixed. I guess in the case of a tire, you know, they could give you an estimate for the full price or it could be an estimate for, you, for one wheel. You, so how do you sort of actually manage that? Have, you actually have two options. So as a mechanic or a service agent, you have option to make a quote or have an estimate. And the reason why we have two, because in case of tires, most likely you will have quotes, majority of them, uh, but estimates are there just in case the quote can change. You know, for example, if you go there and instead of tire you need a wheel alignment as well, they're going to charge you more, right? So we do understand that some jobs cannot be precise, you know. Until you get to the mechanic shop, mechanic will still have to scan your car or look at it. Um, you know, they won't be able to tell you for sure. Not quite as but simple as an Uber ride, is it? It's not quite as simple as that, especially for complex jobs. I mean, yeah. if you got a guy looking for a, you know, transmission service or an engine, engine repair, yeah. um, I mean, we don't expect them to quote exact price because... Yeah. Sometimes they can't even quote until they pull the car apart. Of course. Um, so, so there's option for that. But I guess what we're trying to do is establish the conversation between the mechanic shop and the user. So user, if say, for example, you bought a car and you're, you, know, you just don't know where to take it. The majority of the people, and we, we know that because we spoke to a lot of people, majority of the people don't know where they're going to take the car until something goes wrong, you know? And when it does go wrong, what do you do? You open yellow pages or you ring up a mate and say, hey, where do I take my car? So it all takes time. And, um, you know, you don't know who you're taking it to. Like, you don't know how good the guy is. I mean, there's, of course, Google ratings, but you still have to go online and search for it. Um, So from the user perspective, we thought, hey, even if sometimes they won't get exact pricing, at least there's a conversation with the mechanic and they know where to go. And from the mechanic point of view, they get that. You know, that person that potentially would never even came to their shop, you know, if, if they didn't have the app, potentially they wouldn't have even known there's a guy yeah. somewhere, you know. So um, so it's a win-win. It's a win-win for both. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 
But you t- you take your cut from the um, from the retailer side when you know I don't know if whether you've started that or not. We, but, we, uh, the, the app is free to use, yep. so at this stage, app is free to use for both users and mechanics. And, right, so it um, makes it very easy for people to get on board. Of course, they don't have you to can just download and start using it. Any overhead, so now's a good, definitely a good time for people to start. Yeah, start I mean, using we, it. we try. What we're trying to do is um, we're trying to build a product that actually works right. So we we're at the stage where we want to build a you know build our base and make sure that both users and mechanics and service agents happy um, and we listen to the feedback as well so um, you know whether it's a user feedback uh, whether it's a mechanic feedback we will adjust mm. and that's that's our next step you know the next step will be to look at what we have adjust what we need to adjust and perhaps release a new version up so yeah yeah oh good well uh, you know best of luck with it I know there's uh, there's lots of challenges to uh, to getting any it's any new business uh, <laughs> off the ground and uh, you know certainly you know, launching new software is uh, is no e- easy feat and sure. uh, you know cool. certainly from you know from that initial you know run through of the app it uh, looks as though you're you're off to a good start. Uh, lots of challenges ahead. I'm, you know, I'm sure. You know, even things like uh, you know, Uber and Airbnb. Um, you know, there's huge amount that goes into developing those, even though they look like very very simple apps. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I understand that it's uh, uh, it's not an easy job. So, uh, best, not a job, but it's it's, it's a very interesting experience. And uh, like I said, we're very hands on too. So mm-hmm. we're not a big team, but we're a small team. But um, you know, everyone does their share. So. Um, you know, I'm looking forward for the next 12 months or whatever comes our way. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's great. Well, thanks very much, Dan. No worries. Thank you, Paul. Um, now, where would people track you down online? Are you on Twitter or just, you know, website, um, email? What's the best you can, way for people so, to, so to track So, obviously, you? to download the app, you can just jump on, um, you know, Apple Store if you've got an iPhone. Mm. Um, find us under Fixer uh, space NZ. Mm. Uh, you can do the same from Google Play. that's F-I-X-R, no uh, E, right? And then no E, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can go on the website and it's um, app dash fixer.codnz mm-hmm. uh, because you can use the website if you don't have a phone okay. um, and yeah um, otherwise you know there's a Facebook page uh, jump on our Facebook page make a comment or you know we, we, like I said we're, we're happy for any comments bad or good <laughs> yep yep <laughs> Oh, that's uh, that's that's good stuff. Well, thanks very much for your time. Great Thank to you. great to have you on the Thank show. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, thanks everybody for uh, listening in to New Zealand Tech Podcast this week. Uh, we will be back again uh, next week. We've got uh, yeah, pretty interesting lineup of uh, guests over the next uh, few weeks ahead. So uh, we'll look forward to joining you then. Thanks, folks. Catch ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.